Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, and you're listening to the Tour Coach Podcast. Well, we're rolling into fall here on the Tour Coach. And for the fall, just like we've been doing for the last couple of years here on the Tour Coach, I'm going to be bringing you lots of chats, interviews, roundtable discussions on what we do, how we do it, from players to coaches to caddies, students. All of this comes from my travels that are on tour or to Old Palm or from here in Mobile or wherever it is I go around this country, or around the world, teaching and coaching at the game of golf that I love. So hopefully, if you listen, you're going to like what you hear. There's there's lots and lots of info and content coming your way that I think are going to help all of you understand and play the game even better or, or coach the game. We've got so many coaches that listen to this tour coach podcast. So appreciate all of you that have gone along with me on this journey for the tour coach. I didn't necessarily know where I was going with it when I started this, this when the Dew Sweepers radio show ended on XM Sirius. Uh, but I can tell you that it has given me so much freedom and creativity to be able to talk a little more and a little more in depth and bring all of you a behind the scenes, inside the ropes look at what me and my team do and the people that we associate with it and how you can use us as a resource to help you get better at the game of golf. Look, and if you like what you hear on the tour coach, also make sure you check out our pro work video series, which is available for you on YouTube and my YouTube channel. If you just go on YouTube and type in pro work, It'll pull up the episodes that are out there. Some really, really great stuff that takes you behind the scenes and inside the ropes. And before I let you go to the tour coach, special thanks to my sponsors that have all been with me for such a long time. Shrixon Golf, been with them over 20 years. Can't find anybody better in the equipment side of the world. Bushnell Golf, such a big part of what we're doing with pro work and what I do day to day, especially with the Launch Pro. Vineyard Vines, Ian and Shep, Amber and the folks there always keep me looking great. We've been such great partners for a good long time. And lastly, McConnell Automotive uh, here in Mobile, Alabama. Mitch McConnell and the gang, there's nobody that has supported me longer. I mean, they're unbelievable. And the folks at Buick GMC for supporting the Dew Sweepers radio show, as well as the tour coach, and as well as pro work. So check out McConnell Automotive and Buick GMC. And lastly, our, my friend Blaine Stokely and Stokely's Midtown Garden Express here in Mobile. Those folks keep the dew sweepers and keep the pro work and the tour coach and all of our content alive and well for all of you that love the game and want to learn. Enjoy the Tour Coach podcast, which is coming your way right now. We're on the Tour Coach. This is one I, I think is timely and was good. We haven't had Doc on, Dr. Greg Carton, for those of you that follow us. No, he's my rent. He's my resident shrink mental coach performance coach hangs out with us part of our elite program as well as jackson court at jackson k golf for those that like to follow him uh great teacher over in jacksonville obviously part of the dew sweeper fam and uh jackson and i were talking the other day i was on the road actually driving back from atlanta and thought this would be a good podcast uh to just kind of talk so jackson thanks for sitting in doc thanks for taking time i know you're traveling a little bit but uh uh, we hadn't had you on in a while i thought it'd be good to just kind of pick your brain a little bit and um you know see what's going on yeah thanks for having me always always great to uh catch up with you guys and uh be part of the show yeah, and and look, we're and special thanks to everybody listening out there. We're getting record listens every week. It keeps going up, which is kind of cool and fun. Uh, they even have gotten bad. Doc, maybe this would be a good one to start. Like it seems like we've been getting more listens since I quit doing them with a lot of wine and a mic and and a, and a cell phone <laughs> at a table when nobody could hear them. Do you think there's any any kind of reasoning or logic to that? 
I think you might be on to something there. Uh, <laughs> they were more fun back make then. Make a lot of sense to me. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's start with. I want to start where where I posed this off air. I was I was perusing through Instagram and social media the other day, and and uh, uh, I forget the which player it was, and I, and I think the follow was Monday Q Info. I follow that guy. I think he does a really. I think he does a great job. He's a great follow on you know shining a light on some of the less glamorous, you know, the up and coming pros and the struggles and so forth. And, and one was about, a, a <clears throat> I think it was Troy Merritt had, you know, struggled with the yips came out and said he'd struggle with the yips. And obviously Greg, we've been around that before with players we've both worked together with. And I, and I said to Jackson the other day on the phone, I said, I, it seems to me that like I'm hearing more about the yips, like, and and maybe that's just the people I follow. Maybe it's because I follow more golf or whatever. Um, but it seems like I'm hearing more people say they've got the yips. In fact, I know Jackson and I had talked about a student that was, you know, young, just maybe out playing, you know, playing developmental tour, and and he's got them. And then, uh, you know, I've seen more young players go into what you would call non-conventional type putting, saying they've got a struggle. Doc, is it just me, or are more people thinking they have the yips? And is there a reason for this, or what's the deal? Ah, uh, man, you know, from my perspective, it's hard to tell because obviously it's a pretty common thing to go seek help with outside of the technical realm. Um, so a lot of folks reach out looking for some sort of support with that. So I don't necessarily know if it's become more prevalent um but what i would say it's certainly reported on much more um whereas maybe years ago people who struggled with the yips whatever that meant would never say it right especially at the highest level and now with social media and all the coverage of golf those stories people love hearing those stories we like to we almost take comfort in other people's misery, not because we're uh, happy for them that they're struggling, but because we, we feel it too. We know how they feel. So we understand like when one of the best players in the world or when the best players in the world struggle with something that we can relate to, it makes us feel more normal. And those stories are, I think, are reported because of that. So I think there's a lot more of those stories reported. A lot more people have uh, are, are comfortable sharing that information. There's a lot of... Uh, techniques that can help people get through that now and uh whereas maybe years ago people would struggle with the yips and it'd be career over for some right. guys now it's there's people you can talk to about that who have a really good understanding there, there's different putters you can use there's different grips you can use there's all these techniques and, and things that can help um so i think people are a lot more comfortable talking about it now and i think that may be more of what it is um anything but you know nothing's changed in my world in terms of the the amount of people that are looking for help with that i think maybe it's just now more it's reported more or people are talking about it more i got a question yeah go ahead so you said there's more more technical ways or techniques in which you can maybe resolve those issues is that what you're talking about from maybe an equipment or a setup standpoint, or is that also on your end when you're dealing Everything. with somebody psychologically? I think we have a, such a greater understanding of it. Mm. Um, there, there's, been, there's been, you know, tools designed, golf equipment designed to sort of help with that now, you know, like 
the big grips and long putters, well, long putters existed, but not the big grips and all that stuff that are, are actually designed to help people with shaky hands. Um, so I think it's across the board. I think teachers are learning more about um, working on technical stuff that may help some of that. Um, there are so many mental approaches now to dealing with the yips. There's people who, who specifically work just on the yips, right? Like people who, that's all they do. And they've, they've had a lot of success with people. And um, so I think, you know, across the board, there's all ways that people are starting to learn about, uh, you know, what it comes from. I think also, too, maybe, and I don't know if this is true because it's always been important, but, you know, at least at the highest level, like, there's so much at stake in terms of prize money and starts and mm -hmm. cards that, you know, maybe the pressure's increased. I don't know. I'm just sort of thinking that out loud. No, I don't no, know I... if that's true, but it, so there could be some of that as well. I mean, the margin for error, not that it never was, but there's so much money at stake and there's, you know, there's so few spots on tour and there's so few, it's so hard to get starts and there's so many more guys that seem like that are playing now at a really high level that maybe that's added to it too. I don't, I don't know. I'd have to sort of dig in a little bit deeper, but that's just sort of thinking out loud something that may well, just occurred to me. I for sure feel like as a coach and having watched guys come up that it seems like to me every year, <clears throat> that those coming out like that are going through the process of, you know, the young develop, like they're out of college where like, to me, it used to be a kid would come out of college and you didn't expect them to be ready to play the PGA tour or to play the PGA tour for a few years. Like, and it was totally normal and acceptable that the person wouldn't get any kind of status for a few years. Mm-hmm. But it yeah. seems to me now that the expectations on, and I don't know if it's because of all the media and social media and everybody puts all the stuff out there, but to me, the expectations on young people <clears throat> coming out of college or sometimes leaving college early are way higher than they used to be. And these young people are dealing with more expectations than ever and almost feeling like if they don't get status right away of some sorts, or they don't get a corn fairy card, or they don't, you know, whatever that they're that they're behind schedule. What to me that never yeah. used to be the opinion of a young player. Yeah, and I think there's such a trickle down to that too. I mean, how about all these young kids who feel like they have to win AJGA events to get mm -hmm. into college, or even get into high school? Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy. So I think there's such a trickle down. You've been around a little bit longer than me in terms of uh, around players at the highest level. Is it are there more better players now? Seems like it. Yeah, I think there's more better players. I do think, I do think, and this Jackson would have a good feel for this too. I do think that young players coming out of college because of the way they train now, like I think you could shine a light. Just there's a million of the programs, but just even what we do at our retreats where good young players that want to get good are surrounded by mental and performance coaching, strength and conditioning, you know, very golf-specific. They go have the opportunity to go right. play and work with tour players. I do think that young players, when they get to college, are more prepared than they used to be. And then when they come out, they're way more advanced and better. <clears throat> you know, uh, but and, – and so I do think that, you know – they're more advanced and they're better and the field is deeper. And I guess to an extent that makes because, but I think people look at the outliers, 
like I think people look at the Jordan Spieth or the Justin Thomases that you know that's right. The Jordan Spieth who you know gets a tour card through exemptions basically and what you know and then becomes one of the best players of the world. Like he's the exception to the rule. You know, Justin Absolutely. Thomas never had any uh, you know you know real down significant. Uh, you know, difficulties until recently. And now he played great last week in Napa and he's learned to handle it and it's great for him. Right. But like, to me, people look at those situations and they think like, that's how every kid should be. Like, that's how the, that's how my kid's supposed to be like, but that's still to me, the outlier and not the norm. For sure. And it's a scary slippery slope because it's pushed on a lot of kids. Right. Like that's that's how we need to be. And a lot of kids, in my experience, and again, even coming to the camps, the kids seem to be getting younger and younger. Um, they aren't allowed to fail, you know, and they 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 don't face a lot of adversity. And it, it the, when they bump up against some, it, it's a real challenge. And that's been a scary sort of direction. I think the games has been going in. Mm-hmm. So you think they face the adversity earlier? No, I don't think they. No, I think they're so well taken care of. Um, you know, they have everything they need to succeed, and you know, the kids can get really good at a young age now, and 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 they don't face a lot of adversity. They don't learn mm-hmm. how to sort of understand their own swing sometimes, or or how their minds work. They're sort of programmed. And again, they, they, I'm just again throwing things out there. Um, but what I see mostly in my work, in my practice, um, as it relates to some of the younger kids, uh, you know, high school, college, even some who just turned pro, um, it's the first time they've ever faced any adversity in their golf career. And that's when they're reaching out. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've watched it with players I've coached and, and I mean, I've seen players that didn't have adversity were great players. And then when they did turn pro and they had adversity for the first time, they didn't know what the heck to do. And they, you could, you could argue that yeah. they panicked, they overreacted and, and so forth. Um, and, and to me, there's something to, you watch guys that maybe weren't, they were good players, obviously very good players played major college golf, but weren't number one or two on their team were number six to number four. Right. But always had a fight yeah. and earned that spot. To me, there's something, yeah. and I'd love to see a study on that. I'm not the one to do it because I don't study, but like they, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but they that there's something to that though that there's more of those that get their tour cards because they're used to the adversity and they're used to failing, and and I think that's there's a lesson in there. Yeah, and the message I try to get across, especially these guys in college. We've talked about this before. I think, you know, qualifying to make this the team once you're in college is some of the hardest pressure that kids face, right? Mm-hmm. Like just, just to be to get one of the top five spots to get into the tournament within your team is always a challenge. And I love those moments for kids because I think they really develop and I, I make this so clear and it's hard to get across. But when you struggle, uh, you learn a lot more about yourself and that can set you up for greater improvement down the road. But everyone wants to be as good as they can be right now, and that that's that's a tough that's a tough spot. How how do we how do we help players get better at handling adversity? And like, what could I do 
that would help prepare them for adversity going forward. I, you know, I mean, is there something that we can do or is there a secret to help and prepare people for, I know we talk all the time about like, Hey, it's not going to be easy and adversity is good for you. But is there, is there something that, you know, like Jackson and I, with as many good young players as we spend time around, yeah, what can we do to help them? It's a great question. And there's certainly no secret. And I, I think just providing the support and to help them understand um, as best we can, that golf's a really difficult sport. If you pick this game up to win, uh, you're not going to last very long, right? I mean, and in, in, in just like me, people, even for you guys, come to see you often when things are not going well, mm-hmm. right? They, they need some help with something, so they're coming. So it, it's, just, it's just a really difficult game, and it's really difficult to be good all the time. And you hope that they are able to help or or our role or my role and even your role is to help them somehow find some fulfillment in the struggle. And if you can get kids to that point, I think you're doing the right thing. You're doing them a service, right? And it's not to say, Oh, you got to jump for joy when you shoot a big number or get excited. But like, can you dig into those rounds and see where you need some improvement? And can you get excited about the long-term progression? And that golf is a game that you literally play for a long time. Um, I think because of all these events and all these kids that have gotten so good at such a young age, there's so much pressure to be so good right now. And it's just not true. Uh, it's developed at all different times. And so I think supporting them in their understanding about how hard the game is, but that not only it doesn't just have to be miserable. It can be enjoyable and fulfilling, and you can struggle at the same time. And if you can get that message across, I think you've done a done a really really good job. I I, I use this story all the time. Um, <clears throat> I was with a, a young player going through something similar. We were actually this was during my Frederica assignment, and uh, I was over there, and we we took a break, and we went down. Uh, you know, we went down to Southern Soul, and just sitting in there was Keith Mitchell, obviously very successful tour player. And so we sat at the bench with him, and we're sitting there shooting. The, and this kid was talking about, you know, some of the same stuff we're talking about. And I'll never forget Keith said, like, man, like, I don't remember any of my qualifying rounds or any of the tournaments from college, like when I played bad or missed cuts. Like, I just always felt like if I was going to – my job was to be prepared – for when I got out of college to play pro golf. And I don't ever remember qualifiers when I didn't qualify. I know they were bad at the time, but I don't have any, you're never going to remember those 10 years down the road. And I thought that was a pretty good lesson, you know, to, but I think that I also think that those lessons are often better coming from a player than they are from a, from me. Right. That's true. Especially someone who's, who's reached the level that Keith has and, he struggled at times too. And, well, and for sure, the, for the sure. Homer, that all these guys don't struggle, and, and it's all relative. But you know, the game beats you down, no matter who you are, at some point. And if you can ride those waves and, and gain something from those times, you're going to set yourself up for a long, successful career. And uh, it's never been more true, and I'm learning it more every day. That my work is helping guys enjoy the game, not play better. And it used to be the opposite, but that's backwards. Because when you help kids find fulfillment in what they're doing, two things happen. One, 
they distance themselves a little bit from the results, meaning I can still get something out of a day where I don't play well. And two, ironically, they play better when that happens. And so it really works that opposite way. It's not, oh, once I get my card or once I win a tournament or once I, you know, get into college, I'll be happy then. It's let's find ways to be happy now. Right. And there's a lot of ways to do that. It's not so simple. But that that's this. And again, it's the journey. And that sounds so cliche, but it really is in this game. It really is. You think that's the same or different for recreational like weekend warriors at a club that may be struggling? I think it's even more important for those people. Well, maybe not more important, but they're not playing for a living. You're, you're strictly out there to enjoy yourself. Right? It's why people give up the game, because I think they, they stop deriving any kind of enjoyment from it. So asking the question of your students or of your children or whoever, you know, what is it that you really enjoy about the game? And having them sort of reconnect with some of those things when they're practicing and playing keep those in mind in terms of what they're trying to accomplish right and good scores usually follow yeah you know if a kid says oh i play golf because i love to win probably won't be long around for very long well I, i've just right? noticed in my years of coaching and watching players are different but when players get to where they are happy like where they live like they've got a good support friend group around them that isn't having anything to do with golf. Uh, everything's good at home. Like they've, you know, started dating a great girl or whatever it is that they generally play better than the person that does nothing but golf, doesn't have anything right. else going on in their life and becomes to where it, to me, it seems like their happiness becomes. It, it it goes by how they play that day is what determines whether they're happy or not. To me, yeah, they that, identify with the results. Yeah, like and to me, as a coach, we've got to help them see that. And I, I don't know that that's you know, and I've always I always tell folks the reason I bring you in is because I think when you're developing young players, and there's a lot going on in a young person's mind. I remember what was going on in mine. It wasn't pretty, and like I mean, you need somebody that really knows how to get some of that stuff out. I think it's even more important to me for the young developing high school, young college players to have people help them figure that out and understand that early. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we see it all the time. There's a lot of burnout in golf too, because it's struggle. It's very seductive to think you got to work harder. I'll work somebody or go to the range and, and things just spiral. Take a couple of days off. Right? Enjoy yourself. Come back with some fresh eyes, some excitement about playing again. And, and I see that see that so often. That, um, but I think it's such an important message to get across to, to golfers at any level, really. How how do you see the best players in the world? How do they work at it? Like how do what what you know? Because I, I think we've all been told you just got to go grind and beat balls, beat balls, beat balls. But I don't think that's what the best players do. What what do you, what are things you see no. that they do? What are commonalities that you see in how the best players in the world think and act and train and prepare? Yeah, I think well, golf's. This is another reason why golf is so crazy and so hard is. Chris Kirk said this once in his press conference. It's like, you have to do the work. Like, you have to put in the work, but there's not a guarantee you're going to get better. 
mm-hmm. or you're going to succeed. And, and how many of us would take a job where we worked our asses off and didn't get paid? Right? Like, that's that's what golf I've done it a is. few times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. It happens. Um, but, I mean, the message being, I, I think the better players, uh, um, I've noticed a shift over the years, they tend to play more, right? Um, whether it's, you know, they're always playing or playing more with, with runs, maybe hitting, uh, not hitting as many balls, but being more efficient in the way they practice. There's so much research on, you know, skill acquisition now and, and how much, you know, how we break up our practice sessions. And, and But I'm always of the school, especially with the guys at the highest level, like you don't have to get any better. You just have to be the best you when it matters. You have to access the skill you have already. Like they're going to go do the work. They're going to go play. But, but to not – if you get to a point where you're showing up at the range and you don't want to be there, can you leave? Yeah. Right? Like th- those are always questions to ask like, because you don't need to be there. Tiger Woods, VJ, all these guys ruined – I don't want to say ruined, but put in our head that that's how you get – to where they are and th- there's so many other factors at play but they just go- happen to enjoy the grind but that goes back to like them being outliers first of all right tiger's an outlier Correct. for sure Correct. but Correct. but you could you also know. argue that tiger and vj loved being there i mean that's just what that's they right. like doing so that's the other question if you love the grind that's great if you don't you, it's not necessary you just have to find ways to practice smarter and be more efficient with your time. Yeah. Right. And, and don't feel this need that if you're not striking the ball well, that something's wrong, you have to go fix it right away. Yeah. That's hard. What about That's pa- a hard sell for uh, athlete? Well, and it's a hard sell for parents and kids because, I mean, how many parents say my kid right. doesn't work at it hard enough? He, he should be on the range all day. Yada, yada, yada. Right. Yeah. You know, well, I get calls all the time. I watching a kid play. Oh, he's not thinking right out there. <laughs> right? That's scary. But it happens. It happens all the time across the board, almost all the time. And the parents mean well. They want their kids to be happy, and they think that maybe they're they're not because of that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's helping them understand themselves is really, really important. How do you help? How do you help a kid figure that? out? How do you help anybody figure that out? I mean, it takes some some work, but you know, one is you develop some trust with the kid, and and you help them understand that. You just message all the time. You you can think and feel anything you want in the golf. Once you start judging yourself, it's over, because that's where you create tension. So you can get to the what are the best players? Do I think? When the best players are playing their best, they're not judging themselves. How many guys, you know, struggle like trying to close it around and then finish it off fine? They know that things. Hey, it's okay. These things happen. I'm not gonna judge myself in terms of how you're thinking. Yeah, no, I. I, You're supposed to be nervous. I, I get that feeling whenever you see the best players in the world interviewed, like after they've lost. Right. And, and, you know, for the most part, all of them are like, man, I, you know, I, I played well. I did, you know, this, 
I mean, heck, this happens, right? Or so-and-so right. just played better, right? Like you, you don't see what you see from people that are on the other end where they're beating themselves up because they didn't play well, you know? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be plenty of times that that, that occurs. And, and so, you know, removing that judgment is so important. It's self-judgment. Advice for parents. Your parents got a good kid. What What's the best thing that they could do to ensure that, that their kid has the best opportunity to develop and be happy? Yeah. To, to support and celebrate um, their desire to compete their desire to challenge themselves with a game of like golf, their desire to work hard, but never uh, results. And it's a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. And and to remind them that they just love watching them compete. Yeah. Regardless of what happens, because that's how you start to um, help instill this idea that golf's not about necessarily results. It, it, it's 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 working on it. It's learning about yourself. It's it's competing. It's overcoming adversity. It's bouncing back from challenging experiences. And that's what that's what you gain from the game. Good stuff will happen. You know, if you if you continue on that path. And the last thing you want them to do is to instill this idea that well, when I play well, people treat me differently than when I play poorly. Yeah, because they start to crave that, and they think they have to play well for people to to treat them a certain way. Now, you and I've had this conversation. We have a lot of teachers or instructors that listen to this, and obviously with Jackson and I on our golf coach development, like I've, I, teachers fall into the same thing where they they you sure you, you. I mean, I've gone through it. You and I've talked a bunch of times over a bunch of wine about it. Like your, your worth or your, how you good you are as a teacher isn't tied to how somebody plays every day. That's, but that's a hard because you do get more attention when somebody goes off and plays great for a month. Right. Like, but that, that's a hard thing. I mean, that's a hard thing. It's been a hard, hard hard thing for me. Or even how teachers, and again, it's your job to help these guys play better. That's your job. But when, you know, someone gets recognition, on social media when they play well, but crickets when they don't, players players feel that, mm-hmm. whether they know it or not. You know, they love looking it up and saying, oh, all my friends and family and coaches and psychologists and trainers are all posting about my success, which is great. It's our job, and I do the same thing. But then when they don't, man, it's like ghost town. Mm-hmm. Not, that that's that builds into that identity piece too. Look, it's it's impossible to to eliminate it completely. Right. But it's something to keep in mind, and no more important than with with younger kids. Jackson, any parting questions? I mean, I think it's interesting that Doc should start charging billable hours when you guys are drinking wine together because he's he's helping you out through all that stuff. T. Trust me, he. If he sends me an invoice, it would be a big one. Goodness (laughs) gracious. (laughs) Yeah, didn't we talk about working for free just before? (laughs) Yeah, correct. He has put in all this work with me. uh, I'm the gift that keeps on giving. That's that's what I get from that. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. I still owe you for one or two referrals that you've given me. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. No, I I think this is good stuff, but and I also think that's uh, uh, but I think that's also why if you care about developing young players or developing any type of player, regardless of any level, I think that the stuff you talked, I think you've got to have somebody like you that uh, that you that you have access to that you know may not sure. use them every day all the time, but you've got to have somebody there to help guide you with that because that's a huge, it's not only a huge part of their happiness, but that, and that's, but that's linked to their performance. That, that's right. And I, I am by no means an expert in every case and nobody's an expert in someone's individual experience. So having more people around the individual that know them, I'm constantly learning from you guys about how to communicate and, and, and what's going to work for some kid where it may not work for another. And, and it's, you're always learning. Like you're never an expert in someone's experience. And it's important to have as many people, I believe, around them that care about them as you can. Awesome stuff. Doc, thanks so much. This was this is great. One of our better ones. Really, really, really good stuff. Thank you, guys. It's always, always great to talk to both of you. I can't wait. We're going to have you down at Old Palm in, in a month or two. going to be fun. Do some stuff. Yeah. Go do some stuff for the there. members and do some stuff for the juniors. I know you'll be hanging out with me and Hack a pretty good bit through the next year, especially with our elite program going on down there. Um, so we got some exciting stuff. So uh, Jackson, just go ahead and get his invoice ready if he's going to go have wine with me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome stuff. With you guys. It's always great talking. That, thanks, guys. We'll look forward to catching up soon. Thanks, Steve. All right. Thank you, guys. I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Tour Coach and this conversation that we brought to you about playing, learning, and teaching the game of golf. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Tour Coach. In between now and next week, make sure you follow us on our social channels. You can always find me at the Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to our YouTube page where you'll see a scene and a video from my teachings daily on our YouTube channel. You can find that by looking up Tony Ruggiero and the Dew Sweepers on YouTube. Until then, make sure you follow and check out Everything Tour Coach and all our sponsors, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, Bushnell, Vineyard Vines, and Buick GMC. I'll be back next week to help all of us appreciate, learn, and enjoy the game of golf.